Awesome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stage Dives. This is the flagship podcast brought to you by Smack Media out of Toronto, Canada, that plans to go to the best concerts in the city to give you a deep dive on our favorite artists, plus our favorite stories in in the entertainment world. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit smackmedia.ca where you can find readables going back three years, which includes listicles, think pieces, features on classic albums, cool stuff we saw on the internet, and we also have a mailbag. Email us with any cool stories from a concert you have. On today's show, recorded on May 15th, we're going to be taking a deep dive into Avril Lavigne's sold-out show at the Coca-Cola Coliseum for her Love Sucks tour. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Stage Dives. show. I'm your host for today, Tony Todorova. The past few years have brought a resurgence of pop punk, baggy pants, DC shoes, t-shirt over long sleeves, and studded belts. What started off as a semi-ironic childhood nostalgia is now experiencing a full-blown resurgence with the current guard increasingly pulling from the wave of skateboarding and hair dye obsessed hairbands of the early 2000s. There are few more influential than Avril Lavigne. A Canadian national, raised in rural Napanee, turned music fashion sensation. She was 17 when she broke out onto the mainstream with her single Skater Boy, and it's hard to adequately describe just how big she was. Every time you turned on MTV, within 10 minutes, you'd see the Skater Boy music video play. Instantly, you'd be drawn in by the piercing stare of the young Avril. Preteens were suddenly buying black eyeliner and stealing their father's ties. But while facing detractors and a backlash from the over-masculine early 2000s, few had the foresight to realize Avril's influence in attitude and talent. In a time where labels scouted based on vocal power and packaged artists with choreography and Pepsi deals, Avril made a mountain out of her pure emotiveness and likability. Then she went away. With the pop-punk resurgence in full swing and everyone from indie bands to former rappers taking a shot at the music most new adults remember only as nostalgia, it seems like an apt time for Avril to be back in the middle of the cultural discourse. Her most recent album, Love Sucks, feels like a callback to earlier albums Let Go and Under My Skin, with loud guitars and brash lyrics about how love can, in fact, suck sometimes. (laughs) Today, we're going to be taking a look at her career and speak about her most recent concert in Toronto. I'll be speaking with Ashling Murphy, a repeat Stage Dives guest, a fellow emo queen about Avril's <laughs> legacy, and how the Love Sucks show last night in the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto was. So, hello, Ashling. Hi. How are you? I am good. Happy, happy two days after Avril Day. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Can I ask you, how was the show? What were sort of like your first impressions? And then we'll save like all the awesome details for later. Yeah, I mean, it, the show has grown on me as more time has passed. Like, I think right after the show, I was like, I wasn't I, I didn't love it right after like afterwards. I was like, man, yeah. it felt a little simple. Like it felt like she was really playing it safe. 
And now a few days have passed. I've kind of gone through her archives of live performances. And I'm like, no, that was sick. That was really good. (laughs) Awesome. Great. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to ask you about it. Because when I was, you know, when we were like doing some initial research, I looked through the stage, um, the set list for an earlier Mm -hmm. show that she had played. uh, And I was super interested to hear your thoughts on how it translated live. But it sounds like there's a lot to discuss. Awesome. So just heading into things, I think where we're sort of going to get started is we're going to take sort of a chronological deep dive and then we'll sort of we'll end with the show. Um, So her first single, Complicated, I think came out in like 2002 and Skater Boy followed quickly after. Skater Boy was like definitely the bigger the bigger single. And from my research it instantly blew up but it was really polarizing sort of from everyone just being like this isn't real punk she's not a real punk artist she's kind of a poser which in a way it's not necessarily untrue like she did start off as a country singer when she was initially Mm -hmm. discovered um by la reed they wanted her to be like a cheryl crow kind of like shania twain character because those were the songs that she grew up covering but um i think everyone's reaction was sort of like who is this girl that came out of nowhere and uh you know there definitely weren't other people like her at the time i remember being like mesmerized by the skater boy music video and so i'm i'm curious to know like what, what are your first memories of her music like what was your introduction to her Well, okay, so this is the funny thing, right? I'm not Canadian. I'm American. So I know, (laughs) like, I definitely, I did grow up with Avril Lavigne, but I don't think she was as much the, like, omnipotent presence for me as she might have been for Canadian youth. Like, I was talking to my partner, Jared Marshall, a fellow stage dives appearer on occasion. Um, And yesterday, I was like, oh, my God, bro, have you seen this complicated music video? It's so funny. He's like, yes, Ashling, I have seen the complicated music video, and I never want to again. It's don't worry. (laughs) That's totally fair. Well, because, you know, my partner, Tom, is American, and we had a whole conversation about, like, the music video as I'd seen. I was like, you don't know Mariana's Trench? Like, cross my heart, hope to die all these i was like uh hinder lips of an angel like all these like (laughs) pop rock pop punk songs that were like just dominating canadian radio were like completely foreign to him and Mm -hmm. actually this is like a cool fun fact that i found out when i was doing this research that surprised me so it was let go her the record that complicated and skater boy were on is still the best-selling canadian record in like for the past like century which at first that is a fun fact that that is a fun fact and at first i was like i don't know i can definitely fall prey to that like oh canada like i don't know is that a big deal but like when you consider justin bieber drake the weekend all these artists like to have that still be like the best-selling canadian album is that's a feat I i feel like that really just i know sometimes we don't always want to like pay attention solely to numbers but that fact seems crucial to me because oh, it yeah. really when you're a little kid you kind of just i i you don't you're not really aware that you're witnessing like a phenom <laughs> yeah no absolutely so like to that end i was absolutely aware of afro growing up her clothing line abby dawn really took over a lot of my middle school wardrobe i had this like prom dress situation that had a hot pink cheetah print tool skirt from her abby dawn line and that i was i loved avril lavigne i skater boy was absolutely an anthem i was hugely into um let go because of i am with you that song really had seventh grade me by the throat 
Um, yeah. And then her, so like, I was really into a lot of her, like, B-side tracks. Like, her singles were fine, but, like, I really liked Everybody Hurts, uh, one of her later not particularly popular songs, too. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Avril and I, we were we were buds. We 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 go way back. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, if I can share to that end as well, Please. like I I after I'd get a home after school, I'd put on MTV or like Much Music in Canada, um, and I would just like. It was at a point. I think I must have been around six or seven, which was like who was letting me watch Much Music at that time? Because I remember like two music videos that were like burned into my memory, like Toxic by Britney yep. Spears. <laughs> that music video shocked me and then the complicated music video were the two which which comes up later on i guess the sort of like dichotomy of like pretty pop star very like obviously backed by industry and then Mm -hmm. and you sort of like the pop punk more grunge kind of like vibe and look but those it was actually the visuals to me that really had that that made an impression on me because I don't know why. I guess she seemed so like cool. And she seems so like I don't know. I feel like she really contributed to this idea that all of the youth should be hanging out with their friends at malls after school and like getting kicked out of malls. I I didn't really realize how much of the mall thing was a trope. And then I rewatched the complicated and skater boy music videos. I'm like, oh, this is definitely what my conception of cool was when I was growing up. Like that's what I wanted to be doing with my friends. 100%. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing that with me. That was so illuminating. (laughs) And it's, it's nice to see the ways and, you know, because geography makes an impact definitely but it's it's cool to hear that we had some some of the, like the similar associations with like the music videos being and the image and the fashion being such a key part of why we were drawn to her if absolutely I, like, it kind of sounds like that was really what would drew us in on top of like the really emotional songwriting and lyrics like there's definitely a part of her that stuck to that sort of like singer songwriter vibe like things i'll never say as a song in my head right now that i'm thinking of that I I loved from that first record and I think had a chokehold on me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that brings us to an interesting place in her early career, actually, which is perhaps something a lot of female artists go through was this sort of like initial criticism of like, she doesn't write her own songs of like, yeah, she's young, but she doesn't really like make her own material, which is, you know, she worked with co-writers. That's mm-hmm. true. But from what I understand, the genre shift was not a label decision. And I've, I've, I've heard her talk about this as well. She was like, you know, someone had asked her like what really inspired the genre shift. And she was like, I was just getting older. I started singing at like seven and eight and the music that interested me at the time was Shania Twain. I started turning 15. I picked up a guitar. I just started feeling a little angsty and that was the music that resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like a very natural, authentic progression and to have it perceived as, I guess, have her perceived as an industry plant. I guess people must have thought that because of her instant success Mm -hmm. and like instant popularity. But I see that as a result of how hungry we were for someone that wasn't like, because the scene was kind of like bands pretty much only men and here and Britney ha- Spears and, and like Britney that's Spears. kind of the exception yeah absolutely and it to me her instant success just goes to show how hungry people were for this kind of message and like that kind of music what do you think about that yeah absolutely I mean for me it's interesting as well because we're seeing the exact same thing with Olivia Rodrigo and like we've seen that they're a kind of I'm not gonna say they're besties but they're friendly I mean uh yeah. Olivia brought 
Avril out for an appearance at her Toronto stop on her tour. So I'm guessing they're fine. Um, But like, it's exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, she doesn't write her own songs. Oh, she's an industry plant because she got so famous so quickly. Oh, this, oh, that. Oh, she only writes about one boy, whatever. It's like women in the industry, I think will always have to defend writing about what they want to write about when men don't have to. Like, are we really critiquing Drake for the way that he sings about breakups are we really critiquing the weekend for the way that you know maybe he has co-writers or whatever like it's i find that there's really a double standard that avril lavigne is a great example of for sure for sure yeah that reminds me of like i I watch like the punk rock nba on like youtube which Mm -hmm. is hosted by finn mckenty and he's so into the pop punk scene and you know he's a little bit older and he was explaining like when avril was coming up what his sort of perceptions were and he was like i don't think we were all conscious of it but like when we were at gigs when we were at concerts like when you saw a girl you kind of just assumed she was like either a girlfriend of someone in the band or like kind of like just a fangirl like you would you would never assume that she would be the one on stage like holding a guitar and rocking out which is interesting for me to think about because I guess that's something that all my favorite artists to some extent have experienced like I love Patti Smith and like I think that's she's considered what like the godmother of like punk yeah or poetry and she experienced that and olivia rodrigo is experiencing it which i have some notes for that later on that i think Mm -hmm. would be cool to get into just to give like a brief sort of peek is like she actually ended up like giving writing credits to avoid lawsuits um to Haley williams and josh well Haley williams of paramore currently and a former member of paramore josh farrow um for its perceived similarity to misery business Mm -hmm. which i think is interesting because it seems to very much that sort of like you didn't get that you're successful but you didn't get there by yourself which only seems to be held against certain artists <laughs> well, well, right. i mean Haley williams is also another great example of that where she's this yeah. incredible vocalist she was really the face of a lot of more mainstream pop punk but then also you know i feel like she almost had to branch out into this more you know, like beauty, aesthetic, whatever icon that she became, because people don't necessarily take her seriously for her music, which is ridiculous because it's so good. Like, right. Women in pop punk are always, I think, going to have to fight for their space in the genre. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she's Avril along with her. Like, those are the two main characters for me, like, like who have been fighting for the genre both of them on separate occasions like i was watching an interview with avril and where she was asked like and we'll get more into this later but where she was asked like what do you think of this pop punk resurgence and Mm. her answer instead of it being like oh really cool or i'm really excited she was like i've always been making this kind of music it never died for me (laughs) i was always a fan of the genre and Haley williams was the same like when it was considered chuggy like a little while ago they were like, no, I'm still an adamant fan. And even just the aesthetics, like Haley Williams has become like a successful businesswoman. She has like a hair dye company called Good Dye Young. And she had she was quoted saying, I'm not going to quote this exactly, but here's the gist of it. Is she was like, I don't think people realize like it was weird to have colorful hair back then. She was like, when I had red hair, like people were staring at me like it was not cool or like fashion color or alternative and she's like the fact that i can even create this brand and have it be successful where i'm selling like hair dyes that are like neon purple and blue Mm -hmm. and yellow and green she's like i feel like on one hand it's a sign of the times it's a sign that things are opening up a little bit and people aren't being as harshly judged (laughs) 
mm-hmm. at least maybe outwardly about dressing alternatively but um i think it just goes to show how much things have changed over the past few years i mean i guess in some ways they've changed a lot in some ways they haven't at all but what do you think about that yeah i mean so it's actually interesting that you mentioned that with the hair dye so i'm kind of i've been thinking back and where i would have first seen the skater boy music video was on nickelodeon actually i wasn't a big mtv kid but i was a big nickelodeon person and so this is relevant to the current conversation because i'm thinking like oh when did like more colorful hair dye really come into fashion again oh shit Ariana Grande with her red hair and victorious. Like I, at least for me, I remember that was like my gateway into wanting crazy hair. Like at that, yeah. I, I thought it was so cool to see yep. all the rainbow, all this again, kind of pop punk aesthetics entering into the mainstream. So I yeah. wonder, like, I, I wonder if on, on the U S side of the border, like how much different companies outside of MTV kind of played into this co- consciousness of, of pop punk. I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting to discuss. I mean, this, it was something that came up as I was thinking of it. Like when I first started like really liking this music, I wasn't Mm. conscious of it at the time because I was, I was young. Like I think you and I as 98s, like we straddle this weird liminal space between the millennials Mm. and the Gen Zs. Like there's parts of like both experiences that really resonate with me, but I feel like I'm neither on one side or the other. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you ever went to Warp Tour, but I went to Warp Tour once in high school and it was absolutely this thing where I was like, I was too old to be one of the like Tumblr kids just discovering pop punk and I was too young to be like an OG fan. So I was hugely into like Mayday Parade. That was my shit in high school. And I was like, I do not belong here. I am the wrong age of fan like this doesn't make sense to me yeah totally when you said warp tour i had so many like memories just come flooding (laughs) back to me because you know my parents are lovely but they were more strict growing up like the concept of like letting me go anywhere i was like let me dye my hair blue they were like what (laughs) our daughter is not okay she's not doing well and obviously like that was like my cringy like black veil brides face i love it it. well i was a huge paramore fan huge avril fan but i definitely like (laughs) bring me the horizon asking alexandria like that's when like those bands started to creep in absolutely um, i think that takes us to to a really cool place actually i think even in the the sort of chronology of this is like i think our experience with pop punk was it sounds like a little different than what it is now i mean i remember it being weird like i remember being like i love Haley williams i love paramore And, or like I love Avril Lavigne and having it just being seen as like kind of melodramatic I feel like you probably remember a time when it was genuinely scary to go inside Hot Topic like true at, like Hot Topic I don't know at what point they turned fandom but I remember when I was first getting into pop punk same thing with like Black Bell Brides asking Alexandria whatever like I, I'd be a little frightened to go in the store because it was yeah. so much like if if you were new to punk or even pop punk like i i remember seeing so many piercings on people i had never seen before like so many like full-on mohawks that were spiked up like yeah i i, I don't know i feel like it's much easier to get into pop punk now maybe i don't know maybe like it, it definitely felt like there was an initiation when i was a kid getting into it for sure definitely and it's funny being a little bit older now and realizing like most of these people were probably straight edge but they seemed so scary to me yeah <laughs> like, and now i'm like no tattoos piercings awesome yeah yeah, yeah. i'd like sort of waddle in with my dad or my mom who are like 
what is happening to the culture? What are you <laughs> listening to? Very confused. Oh All right, God. let me look back here. I, I, here's like, just to sum it up in a question is mm-hmm. like all this discussion about what being a young girl was like growing up with her music, what pop punk was at the time sort of bridging this generational gap where we didn't necessarily feel in with either group or generation like this kind of stuff about her having co-writers or her being an Mm -hmm. industry plant or her being xyz is that anything you ever thought of uh, thought about as a young girl listening to her music like i bring this up because there seems to me to be a disconnect between what haters and maybe this is a simple point but there's a disconnect between what critics and haters and labels care about versus what fans care about yeah i mean like i didn't care about that any ever growing up i mean i was also like the very pretentious kid in middle school who was dabbling in writing my own songs and like getting into songwriting myself and i think with avril lavigne i really liked her but i was annoyed by how simple her lyrics were sometimes because i was like that's a really dumb rhyme like like pick something more interesting so like (laughs) are you referencing something in particular i'd love to know please point out I mean, so even uh, complicated, honestly, I think is pretty in, like indicative of that. Where again, it's she's a big on that like one syllable word with a, a really easy rhyme. So yeah. I think for me, I was almost I was almost a little embarrassed growing up that I liked it because I was like, I realized that this is very like cheesy and it's got like a very easy hook to get into, like cool, cool, cool. Um, right. Yeah, but y- yeah, no, like in terms of her being an industry plant or having co-writers, like again whatever i'm just like if you have co-writers can they help you write better lyrics yeah (laughs) Um, that's an interesting way to put it i guess uh he was a skater boy she said see you later boy which iconic like iconic absolutely (laughs) but you're right that maybe it's it it kind of reminds me because she was talking about like how she got into music in general and she was like i didn't know what i was doing (laughs) like there was no other music i related to so i decided to write music that i related Mm. to and I kind of like that ramshackle way of writing music just because I guess I struggled through music class. I couldn't really like follow rules. So like the idea that people could just pick something up and like write a massive hit. I was like, that's kind of cool. And I kind (laughs) of did the same thing. I was like, maybe I can be a songwriter. Yeah. So she inspired me in that sense. I was like, that's "That's cool. cool." But I actually think in a way, like some of her deep cuts Mm -hmm. are quite vulnerable. Yeah, like we were absolutely. sort of chatting about this earlier is like, you know, the hits could be much more pop punk, but she retained some of that sort of singer songwriter essence in her music. Like it wasn't a total abandonment of her roots, so to speak, because that's something the music scene tends to care about. Right. If you switch kind of what they perceive is on a whim they're just like well you sold out that's like the favorite insult but um which songs of hers are the ones that like kept you listening everybody hurts was definitely like i kept on coming back to that song like i was a very emo middle schooler um and then honestly let go was the one like the entire album i really came back to a lot i'm with you again emo middle schooler yeah. was on repeat kind of all of the time yeah. um and like it's interesting that you mentioned this idea of her selling out for her hits because like i mean if she did sell out i don't care like girl go off make your money that's awesome i do think she can get a little seduced by the songs that she knows will do well commercially 
Um, mm-hmm. So I for well, and we'll get into this with the concert, but I found myself almost wanting more of those deep cuts because like it kind mm-hmm. of felt like single after single after single, and that's really fun. But also like this is your chance to flex some of your more maybe vulnerable, maybe quieter, maybe like maybe your the more subtle storytelling that we know you can do. It's on the album, but like showcase it. Don't forget that you did that, and then only do your singles for your concerts. That was. <laughs> Right. That pretty much perfectly sort of takes us into sort of the next thing I wanted to talk about was like, why sort of her struggle after that? Well, she had under my skin. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know how you feel about under my skin, actually, before we for like the follow up record to let go before we get into, you know, sort of the conversation around our artistic integrity, authenticity, selling out, Mm -hmm. which I think because of her longstanding troubles with her label i think deserves its time and discussion but before we get into that i want to know how did you feel about the follow-up record like under my skin i think it really falls into sophomore album territory in terms of like i think you can really sense there's some struggle in what she wanted to do next and and Mm. maybe some uncertainty about her own image and i'm gonna be honest i think that kind of pervades her discography um i completely agree Avril Lavigne is really good at writing an Avril Lavigne song, but like we'll get more into this later. She does not want to grow up, and like she very much Peter Pan syndrome. We'll come back to it. But under my skin, um, I listened to it in middle school, but none of them were really like none of the songs were really my thing. Like my happy ending is probably the closest, and I think my happy ending is on. It's kind of her getting a little closer to what Paramore was doing as well, like slightly more complicated storytelling, slightly edgier vocals but like under my skin never really did it for me now i am sorry to say avril if you're listening (laughs) yeah no and i i think that was honestly where the label troubles started like i think the first single was supposed to be don't tell me Mm -hmm. or it was don't tell me and then she wanted to it wanted it to be my happy ending and so yeah and it should have been i think it should have been the first single sort of like it did well but my happy ending just like shot up and i think that was i'm interested it's interesting to hear how label troubles were already kind of starting and i don't disagree with you and i think about peter pan syndrome and not necessarily wanting to grow up i definitely think at a certain point around the 2011s she -hmm. was like considered chuggy like yeah (laughs) um and to use common parlance like definitely was not really growing in terms of her songwriting or subject matter or even just aesthetically. Mm-hmm. There was something that felt n- not insincere, but something that felt off. Something that felt maybe, off. Maybe insincere. Maybe insincere. Maybe insincere. After, after the concert, I'm like, mm, this. It, like the the image I think as she has gotten older has begun to feel more and more forced because like I do think that you know like punk doesn't have an age limit like you can you can be punk and do all like think punk things no matter how old you are but I've have also felt and now especially having seen her live that she has really tried to stay in this very young embrace of pop punk values and aesthetics in a way that doesn't necessarily feel authentic yeah well if it's okay to sort of like lead directly into into the next section of like why she disappeared because there was a period of time where she did kind of fall off the map so to speak Mm -hmm. part of that had to do with the fact that she has Lyme disease and was very ill at the time um she was going through a divorce 
right from chad Kroger <laughs> of yeah. nickelback which is iconic I- icon behavior honestly icon behavior is just a really interesting tidbit to have i can't imagine i remember seeing photos of their wedding in like paris oh when i first got married and i was like i can't believe what i'm seeing um well i sort of we've touched on this briefly but let's talk about it explicitly is like do we think avril fell off or sold out and do we find ourselves (laughs) continuously going back to the earlier stuff um i mean well this is the period where uh, this is this is the period where she was replaced with her body double right so right (laughs) i yeah honestly again do I think she sold out? Yeah, but I'm also, I don't care. Like, yeah, girl, make your money. Absolutely. You were the Canadian pop punk queen. You made a shit ton of royalties off that. Go off. Whatever. Like, again, like, I, again, I, I think especially with Under My Skin being so much of, not a copycat, but it, it almost felt like an EP that should have followed let go you know like when you've got these two very similar albums that are showing similar struggles in terms of maybe image maybe songwriting maybe self self conception whatever yeah take some time figure your shit out do whatever spend your money see the world get a divorce i whatever like i i don't necessarily know if she came back the changed person that she might have thought but like but yeah. whatever i like I, I hope she you know spent that time doing what she wanted to rather than being told by a label what she needed to do so yeah that's a fair point like i i remember like going through her discography and and feeling somewhat upset that she disappeared because i was like where where's my fun pop punk music or like where Mm. is the person that i resonated with and i sort of i just to play devil's advocate like with myself i was like well what sort of makes me feel that i'm entitled to more records from this person like those records still exist and i can still listen to them like if she decided to stop making music or do something completely different it's not a betrayal of me and i think sometimes that's how the pop punk scene can be when you Mm. decide to like when you're not constantly producing the same thing and that's difficult sometimes people are like we want the same thing you give them the same thing we want something different or like we would have preferred the same thing again. It's like you can't really can't keep people happy. It's kind of a simple point, but I really mm-hmm. think uh, it. She sort of falls into that category for me. Is like I initially felt abandoned maybe by my pop punk mom, and <laughs> now I'm like, no, I I think those records are historic for a reason. They're not going to go away. They're part of her legacy, and mm. I think it also just goes to show like in a certain sense i i don't want to call her like a victim of the industry but it seems like that's it, everything i read about why she disappeared has to do with and she's spoken about it publicly like i thought this should be a single no one else mm-hmm. no one else sort of like gave me the space to guide this and i right. i do wonder if it was because she was so popular at the time it was kind of a Britney Spears situation in the sense that like you know people's livelihoods depend on you I don't think that's something I have enough like understanding of of, like when you're an artist and you go on tour Mm -hmm. like your band your bands could have your bands have families your bands are your band members are paying rent the people who take put up the stage take it down they're also on tour with you like you're paying these people salaries and that's not a justification for 
that, but I think it's a huge responsibility. You're like the leader of a brand and that's incredibly hard to engage with authentically all the time when you're a human being who needs a break. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, also, and this is complete speculation and like, honestly, probably feeds into celebrity gossip in a way that I don't love, but whatever, it's a point. Um, She was really like outspoken about how much she didn't like Britney Spears, the way she dressed, like she didn't want to, she very much had not like other girls syndrome when she was starting out. And that's eh, dicey. But Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if her a self-inflicted breakaway from music was almost preventative to, you know, prevent burnout, prevent public burnout. Like I, I almost wonder if she sensed a Britney Spears esque um, bubble bursting and maybe just wanted to step away before that stress, that pressure and all of these other things in her personal life confounded into one big blow up. Yeah, no, I, if I had a catalog of the things I said at that age, I'd be mortified. Yeah. Like, of course I'd say something catty about Britney Spears. I'd like, I'd, I was like an outwardly an Avril Lavigne fan as a kid. I talked shit about Taylor Swift and then I'd go back into my room being like, it's a love story. <laughs> baby, just say yes. Like it's, you're full of internal contradictions when you're that young. I do want to look back to the body double, which is <laughs> could be another, it's literally one of the, the biggest conspiracy theories to ever come out of someone's hiatus which is for context this is the clone theory as i call it so it's this conspiracy that the real avril lavigne died in 2003 um while she was recording under my skin um the story goes that she committed suicide after the death of her grandfather because she was having a really hard time with her grief and the body double that she employed for like paparazzi and going out here and there by the name of Melissa steps in and has been living as Avril since then. Um, There are, you just have to Google Avril Lavigne clone theory and you will, you will find it's like a Hydra. It's like you cut off one snake head and 50 other grow you can see people are like people think she left clues in under my skin like clues in the lyrics that confirm the theory people pointed out like sudden differences in facial structure that apparently show and prove concretely that the person we know now as avril lavigne is not the real avril lavigne ashling what do you think about this before i prime you with any type any more evidence or context or thoughts of my own what do you think i don't need any more evidence honestly like I love it. I love it so much because I also kind of, I kind of believe it. Do you? Okay, I we need to unpack this right now because I'm so interested to know what did it for you or like what convinced you. I think it was seeing the photos side by side where there are these facial structure differences that there are differences that like you wouldn't pay to get plastic surgery to get like they're not quote unquote oh. improvements by western beauty standards right like it's just a different it's person like, oh, her cheekbones are higher in this photo or something no, to say it's, that it's, she got filler yeah it's like her lip is slightly flatter it's like yeah she like she's not paying for that i her voice i think is a little different and also mm. there's this video that's been circulating on tiktok the past couple of weeks that is it is literally as if they are interviewing an alien who has like heard of canada but no, doesn't quite understand the concept yet the, the i don't think i understand the concept of canada well so the interviewer because <laughs> she hasn't done a tour in canada in like decades 
Um, yeah. And the interviewer was like, oh my God, Avril, like, what are you excited to do when you get to Canada? And she's like, oh, I'm really excited to go to Tim Hortons and get an iced cappuccino and, and like donut holes and poutine. And it's like, you have never been to a tim hortons in your life like who is calling it that like every this is real a... canadian knows that the ice cap machine is always broken i don't think i've had an ice cap in like six years well, and <laughs> like, also that... like the mcflurry machine <laughs> well absolutely but also that it's called an ice cap like she's straight up calling it an ice cappuccino <laughs> in <laughs> this in this interview and i'm like girl who killed you <laughs> so it's that like so funny like her public appearances and also the way that she was talking at the concert i'm like you are doing such a good approximation of avril lavigne and i love that for you and this is kind of a bit but also it's not but honestly i do wonder i do wonder sometimes i think that there's compelling evidence and yeah like the industry had motive to keep her going right like that's gonna be avril lavigne is gonna be a cash cow for a lot of people for as long as she keeps doing the same thing so and that would also also explain why she hasn't evolved musically oh my god bless okay it does okay well now hearing uh, that that was something that when i was sifting through the evidence quote-unquote the alleged evidence (laughs) yeah i was like you know part of me went in sort of cynical and was like I think people have lost it. Like we're so obsessed with the concept of celebrity and we're so obsessed with fame that the idea of someone wanting to not have that fame for a little while gives birth to the, one of the most insane clone conspiracy theories ever. Like, cause it was like, if, if someone would were to decide to not want fame, it would be like, so, such a point of obsession but i understand what you're saying which is like kind of ties into what i said before which is like your crew the label execs like everyone that's involved in your work like in some ways you're paying their salary you are a commodity and so there was there's plenty of financial incentives to keep the myth and sort of like the cultural place that she holds like to keep avril lavigne going and so i think like because I think in terms of like the evidence that I see, which are like freckle analyses, like this Avril has this amount of freckles on her arm. Like I just, I, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe the fanaticism sort of around it, I, I think initially mm. made me feel ridiculous. I was like, just like, like leave Britney alone, like leave Avril alone. <laughs> but no that that's fair i'm just open either way i could be swayed i don't know i can't say that i have concrete feelings about it but i think culturally it's so interesting that even when someone's out of public view we still find a way to be obsessed with them (laughs) like it's ridiculous i'm fully aware it's ridiculous and probably not true but there is also a part of me it's like what if Look, well, look what if and like the there were paparazzi photos where she was seen out in public with the name melissa like written on her hand in sharpie it's like oh my god it's, i thought that the, was ominous it is it, like that this is full one head scratcher for me yeah like this is full-on like avril lavigne q and i'm fully aware of that but I, as you know i'm a swifty i like looking for i like looking for clues in strange tricks. places i i have to wonder i have to wonder yeah totally awesome yeah i i really wonder it's so hard i think it says so much about sort of our obsession with with uh with celebrity which i think sort of Absolutely. takes a comeback which is she did come back oh, yeah mm-hmm. she avril 
1.0 or our world 2.0 we don't know <laughs> but she did come back and i she think did. her career arc has ended up being really interesting like i can't poor millennials we're really putting millennial stars through the ringer like Avril yeah. levine taylor swift like mm-hmm. they all have like a you know early radio cultural sensation to chuggy to come back pipeline right you know i I really think that's interesting. Do you feel the same way that, you know, I know we've sort of spoken about briefly, but I've gleaned from what you said before. It's like you have this nostalgia and you are kind of like living for the revival, whether or not it necessarily like resonates with you like it did when you were young, Mm. but she's kind of having a comeback. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. And again, like, I kind of feel bad because again, I, I, I think she'd be having a comeback right around now, no matter who else was in, in the spotlight, getting attention, whatever. I do think think the, like the Olivia Rodrigo thing, I do think has brought a lot of younger audiences to Avril Lavigne was evidenced by the population at the concert. I'm going to be honest. Like there were honestly, like there were a few times I was looking around. I was like, Oh, am I at an Olivia Rodrigo concert? Am I at the wrong venue? Like there's like fashion wise and, and age wise. Um, like, and again, I, I just, I'm, thrilled that she's having this comeback i wish she were being a little more adventurous with it because as well i get i think that pop punk as a genre has also evolved more to include even like elements of rap and stuff too like as strange as it is to say like 21 pilots i think actually fits pretty neatly in the pop punk um fandom for because that's what it's become right it's no longer a lifestyle it's a fandom um I definitely so, think we have a there's a debt to Travis Barker there with the sort of like absolutely. rap rock like I mean rap rock collaborations happened a lot in the early 2000s like even Linkin Park Jay Z like all those absolutely yeah I mean that's one of the bigger ones to name but absolutely continue on yeah no so uh, like I again with her new album Love Sucks especially I'm like uh, I'm you're doing the same thing that's really cool and and like. Avril Lavigne will always do Avril Lavigne really well but I do kind of feel like the the fandom the community has maybe like fractured off in different directions maybe without her not sure yeah and so it sounds like even just from your recounting of the show and and obviously we'll get into more detail later but it's like she's found a new audience it seems and that's my impression of the pop punk resurgence like it's nostalgia for the people who experienced it the first time around Mm -hmm. but it seems like the sort of comeback to pop it's like i'm not i mean this in the best way possible but sometimes when i see people that embody it now i'm like i feel like you would you would have been a bully at my middle school yeah yeah, 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 yeah. really popular really like fit really like they're dating their e-boys e-girls cool but i'm like no no you would have no. bullied me and my friends <laughs> Um, you you must have this much trauma to enter the chat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I well, let's I think this is a perfect time to dive into Love Sucks, which is like the comeback album, which yeah. I enjoyed. Like it was a relatively easy listen, but to confirm what you said, like lyrically, I just can't pay attention. I yeah. just have to bob my head to the music. This is really awesome. This makes me feel like I'm trying a skateboard again for the first time and failing miserably. <laughs> And that was pretty much it. That was the connection I had to it. 
I thought Cannonball was awesome. Cannonball's a great song. It's uh, it's her opener for yeah. the for the tour, which as it should be. Yeah, it's a it's a bop. Um, I think her partnership with Modson comes through sometimes in ways that are nice and sometimes in ways that are awful. Um, and mm. like with Love Sucks um boys live featuring machine gun kelly i like that's so cringe that's so cringe <laughs> why is he on that album yeah uh, I, I like yeah it's it's an avril lavigne album and there's some bangers it's just also like uh, it's almost like she's kind of gestured towards maintaining relevancy by adding these co-writers and these um like share sharing tracks with people but it's it's not in the way that anyone wanted yeah i don't think tra- travis barker saved this album and i don't know why um i can't put my finger on it but i think that's sometimes what happens with the creative process is like sometimes you miss the mark it's really hard to articulate but the connection like i feel like you kind of feel it in your bones when you're listening to it i i that's what i i I even wrote down for myself i was like there's a part of me that can't get away from how contrived it feels mm-hmm. um well, and well, I absolutely. felt that way and for like, a while. Like I felt that way with what the hell. Well, and like Modson has also produced the entire thing, and I think that comes through really clearly because it's like no one was asking for an Avril Lavigne album, but to be produced like a Modson album, like that—that's a very strange way to approach collaboration artistically. I think. You think but, what makes you say that? Were well, you familiar with like, their connection? In terms of their connection personally or for a different reason? No, I mean, artistically, like, Matsun, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a fan. But I I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is, like, a little over-analytical. But, like, Avril Lavigne's, you know, pop-punk princess and, like, girl power and, like, all you know, mm. embodying a lot of, like, female rage and stuff. That's really cool. And then kind of seeing that the entire album sonically has been handed over to Modson, who has a pretty dicey history of treating women well. Um, I don't know. Something right. about that rubs me the wrong way. Not sure. Yep. It's, I, well, I think it's an interesting conversation piece about like separating the art from the artist. Yep. And sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes it can affect the art. I mean, Absolutely. life, life does imitate art to put another quote in here but it's just like sometimes you can read that in the album like you can you can feel who's involved in it you can feel the type of energy that was put into it and and it's interesting yeah i think i've heard one mod sun song that to me was really forgettable because i don't even remember the name of it but <laughs> i remember because i i always i always mix them up with young blood i was mm. thinking um and because they're always changing hair colors like i can't keep track of who's who and they look quite similar to me they do. Um, they do. but no it kind of it sounds like which is interesting that you say that because here's a direct quote she was like the message behind love sucks is to know who you are and trust who you are this is a direct quote a lot of these songs are about ha- about having the strength to walk away if someone doesn't see that I wanted to make sure I wrote music that people could relate to. It's about valuing yourself and knowing you're enough. It's really a love letter to women, which seems to stand in direct contrast to how you and I have experienced this album. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest, not what I'm picking up from the album. That's fine, but not what I'm picking up from the album. And like, even when she introduced mod at the concert she's like yeah i wrote this album called love sucks because sometimes love really sucks but actually when i wrote it and right now love does not suck love is great and i'm like "Mm." 
cool. Mm. <laughs> Great. Yeah, there, there definitely seems to be a lot of internal contradictions with Avril. A little bit. And, and, and like, again, go off, Bestie. Like, make your money. Go do what you want with it. Happy for you. But there's some very conflicting messaging for sure. I think that leaves us sort of in a perfect place to explore some of that more cultural impact, um, talk more about gender, talk more about music, labels, commodification of women and their voices. I think that leaves us in a perfect place. I think we'll just take a little bit, a little bit of a break now and circle back to some of these important topics. Sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. We'll be back. I think, well, let's sort of start to lead into the show like um before let's let's go through the set list awesome let me just read it out okay the set list goes as such cannonball which is from this new record Mm -hmm. uh, love sucks bite me which is also from the new record what the hell which is from her 2011 self-titled release i believe here's to never growing up from the same album complicated my happy ending which are some earlier tracks smile losing grip flames uh which is a cover of a mod sun song love it when you hate me love sucks the live debut which i think it debuted for the first time on this tour which is she's played a shortened version of it girlfriend boys lie and then she closes with skater boy for her encore Mm -hmm. she plays head above water and i'm with you um what was your favorite song of the night tell me how did it go my Okay, my favorite song of the night was Here's to Never Growing Up. And here's the thing. I'm aware that she's this proponent of Peter Pan syndrome. And there's a lot of problems with her discography that are the fact that she will not grow up. But I have to be honest, it's a banger. That song is so fucking good. I love that song. Um, It almost feels like our generation's version of 1985 by Bowling for Soup. Um, Where it's like, ah, yes, absolutely belting Radiohead and just buying alcohol that gets us drunk perfect super dude it was so good (laughs) well see that's the line eh? like nostalgia done right can be so powerful absolutely like it's in the song it's in the message it's in the lyrics and i think you're definitely right that that song is an absolute banger yet in terms of subject matter it doesn't differ that much from other songs but yet there's something about that song that really resonates more so than other material that's awesome what was your least favorite song of the night do you have one i do have one i've gone back and listened to the studio version and it's still bad but it it, the cut that they did live was just not good and that would have to be flames where she brought out mod sun um mod sun seems to be the worst moment of every avril moment in recent history (laughs) so do you know the song like have you heard it yes i have so so it's that almost the like best reference i can think of is it's almost like love the way you lie obviously eminem where it's um rihanna singing the same thing over and over and that's rihanna's part in that song um so avril lavigne comes out and the lyrics are so cheesy it's like i still burn for you like like a flame it's like very cheesy imagery and then mobson does a rap and then he goes they didn't do the whole song either it was maybe like a verse and a half if that like it just it it could have been cool had they picked a better cut of the song but it really was just avril singing the same thing over and over he did a verse then said see ya which wasn't my favorite that sounds almost awkward 
a little because she also again she proceeded it with um i know my new album is about how much i hate love but actually here's my fiance and he's great and i love him so like it, it felt a little misplaced and also this contributes because i was feeling like gaslit myself about what this tour was actually called about oh but what it was called okay yeah go on i don't think avril lavigne knows either because she kept on like oscillating between calling it the love sucks tour and the bite me tour i don't think anyone knows all of um, oh, yeah, all, yeah, no, go on. I'm like, pointing to myself because I'm t- t- completely agreeing with you. Yeah, no, yeah, like yeah. All, all of the merch said different stuff. All of everything was different. So I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, yes, the answer to the question is Flames Feet Mod Sun was not my favorite. <laughs> not the favorite. Can I ask what song got the biggest reaction? What song got the biggest reaction? Uh, Skater Boy. Obviously Skater, Skater Boy. Nice. <laughs> like, I, like I joked on my Instagram takeover for Slack. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the reason I came to this. Obviously, it's the reason everyone here came to this. I know it holds such a special place in all our hearts. Yeah, she uh, said, "See you later." Do you boy. have um, this is our like quick fire, nice little section about the show. If you could remove a song or add a song, what song would you remove, and what song would you add? So it is not actually a song I would remove. It is another thing, which is the movie she plays um, after Skater Boy and before her encore. She plays this little short film about something rebirth maybe it's like this very artsy film of her coming out of water and there's mountains and lots of nature imagery um and after this very like like rah rah pop punk like woo woo safety pins and all of her clothes yay after that it felt weird and not at all like authentic to what she's doing so that is what i would re- uh, remove and then if i had to add one i mean no one else would want this, but I want Everybody Hurts because I really like that song. <laughs> You're allowed. You're allowed to have, like, you know, your choice, your song on there. Thank you, Tony. You know, you're allowed to want that. Can I ask more about the moment you would remove? Is it like an interlude? It kind of sounds like an interlude. It's but like that an was inter- meant to be really deep, but like maybe miss the mark a little bit. I- it, like it literally it felt like if you were making fun of someone for showing a really like introspective short film this is the film you would make like it felt like a meme but it, it wasn't like funny meme. enough to be a meme yeah it, it was a strange exactly. strange choice like even color wise like this tour is very like black red a little bit of pink and then you've got this like i mean it's pretty but it honestly looked like a cut from the first twilight movie it's like all greens and blues and nature which has nothing to do with Avril Lavigne. <laughs> it was very strange i wonder how present she is in making these decisions i don't i don't want to be a hypocrite and like automatically assume that she had no artistic control over this but i'm so interested to know who is really a part of her team or if maybe Mm -hmm. she's being tossed around between people and there's no continuity and no one's really helping her make these decisions because that does sound like a little incoherent which i guess if you have an incoherent record or an incoherent discography (laughs) it's going to make for an incoherent show absolutely you don't want to lean what more one way than the other like i assume she just didn't want i mean from the set list she did play quite a few older songs like she did there is not that much new stuff and but yeah it just makes sense confused discography confused show you don't really know where Mm -hmm. to head because the green blue sounds to me more like um her self-titled record yeah or yeah it like it it, again just felt so at odds with the point she seemed to be trying to make about pop punk resurgence and the aesthetic mm. that goes with that and she was in like 
classic Avril Lavigne, like little, little like schoolgirl skirt, knee high boots. Like I don't know if she was wearing fishnets. I was pretty far away, but like it was a very classic pop punk kind of get up. So then when we're seeing this like rebirth video, it's like, but this isn't a rebirth. You're just, you're just doing the same thing. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> Interesting. I I don't get it. Even just yeah, was, the explanation. Was this your first time seeing her live? It was my first time seeing her live. Yes. Awesome. So it definitely like even just seeing Skater Boy, it like mm, uh, makes yeah. your heart feel feel all the warm. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Let's move on to the categories, which is we have like the Canadian audience meter, which this is the this you know the point in our conversation where i'll invite you to tell me all your funny stories about the crowd if you have any we you know canadian audiences have a history of being like a little bit iffy maybe a little bit hard to please so please Mm. indulge us what were the people in the crowd doing (laughs) so i want to tell you about who i was next to um I so this the seat that I had there was an aisle seat and then I was next to the aisle seat and the woman in the aisle seat who I think was about 80 she was like somebody's grandma like this random old lady was just at this Avril Lavigne concert she sat the whole time I don't think she was enjoying herself oh. I don't know why she was there it was really a lot to unpack um so the rest of the audience, I mean, seemed to be enjoying themselves and, and dancing. And most people were standing up. Not a lot of people were sitting. Um, but Grandma, special shout out to you. I I don't know why you were there, but I hope you had a great time. I don't think you did by like watching you. But That's you. so interesting to hear because it was a sold out show. Which you normally have to like scrap for tickets that are, you know, to a sold out tour. I have some trouble believing it was sold out. Um, Just the from pit, the look of the venue? Yeah, the pit wasn't particularly full. I, there was like a full-on empty row behind me. Like, mm, don't know if it was sold out. But it was, it was comfortably full. It didn't feel empty or anything. But like, I I think I think they might, in their promotion, might have used the, the phrase sold out a little loosely. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. That, that's, that's good to know. Well, on the audience meter, you know, all grandma, I know part of me is always just like, cause I've had experience like uh, experiences like that. It shows not necessarily with like senior citizens, all respect to grandma, but there I've sat next to people where I'm like, you Why are you here? hard earned yeah. money on this show and you don't really like it's not even like they were tapping their foot or anything like just sitting there kind of i was like i get wanting to experience the music that's fine but like they there was something like in their aura like in their energetic orbit that i'm like you do not seem pleased to be here maybe they had a bad day bad day or something but I, i i truly could not tell you i like that the rest like the rest of the audience honestly great like a nice nice blend of like newbies and and um mid 30 year olds like just wanting some nostalgia that was fine it was just being next to grandma i was like i'm i'm constructing an entire narrative for you in my head like who are you why are you here who are you chaperoning what's your story what's your story (laughs) we need to know if you were to give them a number like a rating an audience rating on a scale of one to ten what would you give them I'm going to give them a seven. I'm going to give everyone a seven. It was still pretty polite. It was still a pretty polite crowd, but I, I've been to live pop punk shows. I've been to warp tour, like all time low did 21 pilots a couple years ago. Like the bar's pretty I, high. The bar's pretty high. Like this was not a warp tour by any means. 
interesting yeah that's interesting to place considering like the video i saw of her performing complicated with um olivia rodrigo where like the crowd was deafening i could yeah. not i could hardly hear avril and olivia from the recording it was yeah well absolute mania i've seen that video too and it's similar thing it's like I feel, I feel like people were more excited to see Avril Lavigne at an Olivia Rodrigo concert than they were to see her at an Avril Lavigne concert, which is yeah. interesting, interesting to, to unpack. It's interesting to unpack for yeah. sure. Do you have like a best practical effect? Were there any effects? Like how was the stage? The stage was fine. The stage was pretty small. I'm going to be honest. Like I, when I got there, I, I like, I made a joke about this on the story. I was like, Miss Lavigne, where is the rest of your stage? Like it, it's pretty, it's pretty dinky. Um, she uses it fine. I mean, best effect is probably like a pretty normie answer, but the confetti at the end, most of her budget was spent on confetti. So much confetti at the end of the night. Love a confetti cannon and like a continuous confetti cannon. Like it was shooting stuff out for a good 30 seconds. It was, it was nice. Correct. I wasn't even there, but that's correct. I love, I love (laughs) confetti. I love a confetti, especially when it comes at like the right moment in a song and you're like, woo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, oh my God, I'm and, singing. <laughs> any expenses that were spared prior to that, I, I didn't mind. It's like, there is confetti. Everyone is dancing to Skater Boy. This is the best day of my natural life. Perfect. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because, you know, you know lots about theater. You know lots about how a stage should be used, how a stage should be set up. It's interesting because it really, like, I know as a music fan like i don't have that much technical knowledge but you know when a stage like looks unfinished so it feels really validating that what i gathered from your coverage was also what you felt it it makes me feel validated because it i when i saw it i was like it almost looked i remember when i got to the first video of avril i was like is this the opener because the opener stage yeah. is usually pretty stripped back Small, yeah because it's their gear is usually like ahead of the headliner's gear and yeah. you can tell it's just like haphazardly put together until the star of the show comes on sure yeah yeah no i like i have a lot of friends who are in theater tech who also kind of moonlight doing event tech for for things like this you know theatrical lighting is theatrical lighting it's going to be done the same way regardless of event like theatrical lighting for Cirque du Soleil versus for this pretty much the same thing and it was pretty simple here like not a lot of lighting effects no haze or anything like that there was a screen there was a screen that had some b-roll footage of avril when she was 16 and that pretty much it see i'm so torn because on one hand that sounds so pop punk to me like like like, that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking of like early avril or even just like the history of punk in general like you see these very simple stripped backstage people who make their own clothes Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. who like are not wearing major fashion brand labels people who don't have their own brands people who are like probably struggling to pay rent and like a really simple stage yet the music resonates and yet somehow the music fits like the sort of dingy right set up or like not having your own instruments having like your guitar strings uncut right Um, and so it's interesting how again there's this like disconnect of Mm -hmm. authenticity it seems like half pulled off like or is she straddling this middle ground where like you don't really want to do you want a full-blown pop show or do you want something stripped back that feels like your earlier stuff it feels like indecision like what you're describing yeah it's almost one of those things where i think this might have been too big a venue 
for this gig. Like, I almost wish she had done a couple of nights at, like, Massey Hall or something a little smaller rather than one night only at Coca-Cola because it felt a little big and not ambitious. I Like, she filled it pretty comfortably, but, like, I, there was a disconnect between the vibes and the space for sure. <laughs> Great. That leads me right into my next question, which was I, I wanted to ask you how you liked the venue for the occasion, because that also sets the tone for the experience. Yeah, totally. Right? Like if you're struggling to get into the venue and you lose your way and you miss a part of the show or something, like it can really ruin your night. So how do you it sounds like the venue was maybe not the right place. It was like as a venue, it's fine. I appreciated how easy it was to get into. Um like I I spent basically no time waiting in line for anything like washrooms like getting inside with tickets like the security whatever that was all fine um i yeah it's it's a little dinky like i a little little, little small little little arena like whatever um yeah fine no no real like where is it in the city of toronto it is right downtown so near harborfront center um like exhibition loop it's that's where you're getting off the dtc I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I thought it was on the Danforth. Well, okay. I also, I, I want to know, you know, between you and I and the listeners now, it's like, did the show bring up any feelings in you? What was the come down? Like, I always think the moments after a show are really powerful. So I'm curious to know, Absolutely. you explained your arc of like, at first I was very <laughs> iffy. I'm thinking about it more. Yeah. Like, what feelings did it bring up in you? So like, listen, I without getting into details i'd had a bit of a day on friday and also getting to the show was a mess because the ttc was like you. all over the place oh my god no. the ttc was a mess that day but it's fine um so getting to the show i was pretty frazzled i was not necessarily in the mood to be at an avril lavigne concert um and then because the opener as well i was like this is taking so long there are 40 minutes between the opener and avril this is unacceptable <laughs> And then I uh, might have been 45. Like, Tony, it was so long. And for what? There was no stage to put up. Like, I, I genuinely did not understand why there was so long between the opener and her. Something has to have happened backstage. No way. I guess. Like, someone definitely showed up late or, like, I don't know what like, else would be the explanation. Like, I had time to, like, grab a drink, grab some merch, whatever. Sick. But at the same time, I'm like, I like <laughs> places to be. It is past my bedtime. Um, but once I kind of relaxed into it, once you did, here's never growing up. And then skater boy, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is good. This is good. This is fine. This is all good. So like, I, I think I left the concert immediately still kind of in that like more sour, sour grape space, like maybe at like a six or seven. And it's kind of, the concert has like bloomed over the weekend and I'm now like, yeah, it was a good concert. <laughs> it was a really good concert. What, what were your thoughts? Like what, why did it change? I, well, I've gone back and I've watched some of her live videos from when she was younger too. Cause honestly, I left the concert on Friday night kind of thinking she'd been lip syncing. I was like, her notes, she like, she's hitting those notes and she's 37 and hitting those notes and she's like bopping all over the stage and like running to get from place to place. Like, I don't understand how she's not out of breath and still screlting those high notes. And then I went back and watched her older videos. I was like, oh, I mean, she's either been lip syncing for her entire career or she's just that good. So I am inclined to believe she's just that good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I was I like a little cynical theater critic Ashling was just like, oh, there's, there's no way this is authentic. I do not believe it. And then I believed it. So, yeah, I, I mean, it also like makes you kind of like rest assured. You're like, oh, no, 
I like this person for a reason. They are super talented. Yeah. Yeah. Like she yeah. can sing. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> like i almost felt the same way i feel about demi lovato where it's like i really i'll demi lovato songs i do not like but demi lovato's voice is like life-changing so she can sing yeah like not a fan of of them personally or even like songwritingly but like the live performance aspect some people have it and it's like yeah okay this is why you're famous and this you are good yes i totally get that sometimes you don't like something but you can definitely concede that a person's talented Totally, All right, totally. we're going to wrap up our categories. Can we ask for a letter grade? What would you give the show? All things yeah. considered. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm going to give it like a B minus at this point, okay. which I feel bad because it feels kind of low. Like Avril Lavigne can sing and like her anytime she was doing one of her old songs, the energy in the crowd was fantastic. It's just when your set is so pared down for that big of a space plus weird mod sun stuff plus like the huge gap between opener and, and her like there was just th- there these are things that were pretty easily fixable that were not yeah absolutely okay avril you get a b minus all okay. right thank you for sharing all of that that sounds like quite yes. the experience all the good and the bad taken together it sounds like you know a real roller coaster but not in a bad way, I guess. No, like I've still had that like kind of post-concert glow all weekend. I've been like, yeah, Avril Lavigne, man. Like she's great. Like, Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's been a I, nice little weekend. Like, I'm wearing my little t-shirt all, all weekend. Like it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah, because when I saw the set list, I'm like, maybe it's a little short, but it seems like it really, it came across well. Yeah, it came across fine. Um, and I, I mean, also just like as a music theory nerd as well i do appreciate she does do all of her songs live in their original keys and they're pretty high like she's not doing them lower to to give herself an out like she does do them as written which i is incredible again she's 37 and she's been doing this for a while good for her yeah absolutely awesome all right let's circle back to well let's tie the show in um and tie back it into some of the early things that we uh, earlier things that we've been talking about. Like we've been talking about her impact. <laughs> I have it here that she's been selling out shows, um, but it doesn't necessarily seem like that might be the case. Well, we at least that's what's advertised. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to, you know, return back to our conversation about why she still matters. And um, like, you know, when Avril Lavigne first gained publicity, there's no, her fashion was definitely one of the things that pulled me in, like in particular, mm-hmm. the sort of like necktie tank top, white tank top with like black blush, bra straps totally. showing um, totally. that so resonated with me and definitely like other women, like I was always a huge Gwen Stefani fan. So that, that really resonated with me, this sort of like punk princess aesthetic and i've heard her called like the original e-girl which at first yeah. I was like, what are they talking about and then i thought about it some more i'm like that tracks that that really tracks like the chains the pants the liner Absolutely. maybe not so much like the makeup because now being like an e-girl or an e-boy is associated with like a different kind of makeup but i remember hearing like she's like no i'm wearing chapstick for this magazine shoot i'm not i'm not doing anything else uh, which i think is what sparked some of like the anti-britney um mm. sentiment but um you know she's 
been defending that that style like her new style the what you said the sort of like skirt combat boots and like sort of a similar explanation to before she was like i don't regret anything she was like but i'm grown up now like i've moved on like that style it had its time and place and that part of me is dead now what what do you think about that i i do just think it's funny because again like at there's no bad seat at the coca-cola coliseum like you're never gonna be that far from her that said i was in the second to last row like i was pretty far back comparatively Mm -hmm. um and despite that, girl was wearing extensions and girl was wearing really bad extensions. Like from that far away, you could absolutely see where her real hair stops and her fake hair starts. I know exactly I, what you're talking about. And um, yeah, I see it in every photo shoot. I see yeah. it. Every, I, I see it. Yeah. Like, well, cause, like, I'm I feel shaking like- my head. Yeah, like I like I feel like new current Avril Lavigne has really made a thing of her like, you know, super long pin straight um white blonde platinum blonde hair and she also that's one of my critiques for her performance actually she was playing with her hair a lot like in in almost a, it, like it felt like she was flirting with the audience like it's, she kept on touching her hair yeah. um but yeah from a distance i was like girl it's, it's okay you, you 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 we won't like you any less if your hair is like only to your collarbone rather than to like the small of your back that's okay um because it also that can be a pop punk style and like you know this it's like oh it's yeah. like oh with the hot pink or like the striped extensions from hot topic whatever it wasn't that it was this like, really badly done extensions so yeah i don't know i i'm all for her kind of playing with this new feminine and maybe more commercial aesthetic it's just also i think that might still be a learning curve for her which is weird because to to consider because in my mind this aesthetic really started with like the girlfriend music video like the best damn thing which was 2007 yeah absolutely i i it was it was just a funny thing to notice where it's like yeah roll come on no no (laughs) i i fully i know what you mean because it can can also be kind of distracting yeah 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 yeah. absolutely well it's interesting like i think what i found interesting doing Mm -hmm. this research is you know i was sort of stuck well not stuck but really heavily thinking about the avril pop punk resurgence connection Mm. and i read through a lot of material about her legacy and it's weird to think of her as a legacy artist but i think but really to summarize in in a more brutal way i think what we're saying is like the first two records iconic afterwards we totally support there's some great songs in there, but doesn't really resonate with us. It didn't develop artistically in the ways it didn't grow with us the way other artists have grown with us. Yeah, it's absolutely Peter Pan syndrome. She is very much stuck in the sound and songwriting sensibilities of at latest 2007. Like yeah. it's she's making it work and i appreciate that for her and i'm and i'm I'm glad that a new generation of listeners is getting to know the avril that we grew up with but i almost wish that they were getting to know multiple generations of avril because again she's 37 <laughs> and, right. and that like you could have told me that the artist i saw the other day was like 21 and i would have believed, believed it, it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to reconcile that with, I guess, some of the really unexpected artists for me that cite her as a big influence. Like, I, I have here some some direct quotes and some artist names, some of which we would expect, like Olivia Rodrigo, but um, Rico Nasty, 
cites her as a major oh. influence. One of her alter egos is named Trap Levine. Um, and here's a direct quote from her, from Rico. She says about Avril, like she's the perfect representation of being hard and soft. She, meaning Avril, hated the term punk, but she was so punk rock. And Lindsay from Snail Mail, Lindsay Jordan, what mm-hmm. was quoted saying, I remember thinking she was the penultimate alternative chick. Like I just wanted yeah. to be her so badly. And Soccer Mommy has cited influences from her. Um which these are all artists in totally different camps, artists that at least on first listen, I would have never thought Avril inspired this, but it really seems like her attitude, her spirit towards creating music gave these artists a place to express maybe like an anger or an artistic sensibility that maybe before Avril, they wouldn't be allowed to like Haley Williams also said this about Avril, like because Paramore started a little later than Avril, like their first album came out 2006. And when um, their label was their label signed only Haley, which is a story for a a different episode, but she was saying like, they were really kind of looking for a new Avril. Right um, at that time, so she, it re- really seems like she created a lot of space for these artists, and it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that they're not at all similar. Did you expect any of those artists to cite her? No, not at all. No, nope. <laughs> the snail mail one also really surprised me. Soccer mommy too. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, hold up. Yeah, definitely. And I think I don't know. Yeah, this makes me realize like. I guess it's weird to think of artists I really liked when I was young as mm-hmm. like historic figures. Now they're now being referenced and like seeing these styles come back into fashion. Like I know we've been hating on low rise jeans. That was like one of them, <laughs> like s- seeing it become a point of reference now has been so interesting. Like, especially with like, I, I was trying to think like, instead of drawing all these differences, what are the similarities? And Mm. I thought one similarity between like the early pop punk scene and this sort of like resurgence, I thought about online culture. Definitely. Like pretty much all the scene kids were on MySpace. I never had a MySpace, but I was a little after that era, but it sort of seems to resonate with like the growing up online feeling. Yeah, like it almost feels like that's now, you know, for the generation above us, it was MySpace. For you and me, it was Tumblr. For this generation, it's TikTok. Like there will always be some sort of online community for them to flock to, to fawn over these celebrities. Right. And it's interesting because pop punk or like punk music in general doesn't make a lot of space for celebrities. But like I have it here, like the most followed person on TikTok, Charlie D'Amelio, was dating Lil Huddy. He's like pop punk master and so it's interesting to see that like cool kids are now sort of like dominating the genre but at the same time like bringing it to such a wider audience i think and to have like travis travis barker especially but to have avril be a part of that is is really really interesting i i'm so curious to pick your brain on at least culturally or like maybe even on a psychological level why this music is resonating again with people I mean, we've just had the pandemic, right, as well. Like, I I don't want to blame everything on the pandemic, but I do think that a shift in relationship with the man or or government or anything, like, 
you know, Lincoln Park was super anti-Bush and, and that generation of artists was resisting that government. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to, f- I'd love to think something as romantic as anytime we're systemically facing oppression. That's when pop punk has another moment, but maybe it's something less nice than that. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're onto something because I read a, I read a paper about like literally like Spotify listening habits and mm. there's like data on this that during the pandemic more people than ever were listening to music that was not of the most recent decade interesting they were like there were more playlists created with like oldies than ever before and so it seemed like nostalgia was like a safe place to go and i even have a direct quote from Haley williams who was asked about this like um pop punk resurgence and here's her quote she said some people are wanting to go back to what felt with hindsight like a simpler time yeah absolutely yeah and i think even just like the alignment of being online for two years Mm -hmm. and like being able to because persona is important in pop pop punk music like everybody got to go on tiktok and the makeup the fashion alternative culture becomes mainstream it it was a really interesting phenomenon but i completely agree with what you're saying it's just like the nostalgia was powerful i also don't want to blame everything on the pandemic but now getting to look back on it not as if it's past but i absolutely had that like i went through a major like 60s 70s rock Mm. obsession um and i think i think that might have something to do with it absolutely yeah and like Like, i mean we've already seen apps like tiktok really proliferate things like the billy eilish aesthetic like i don't know without social media and an internet culture that very hyper specific you know lime green baggy clothes but not like the 90s just in her own way like i I don't think that we would have seen that aesthetic so heavily in like things like fast fashion and stuff were it not for social media so i I almost feel like that was the gateway for things like pop punk understanding that that's a a platform that they can use for a larger awareness yeah definitely i mean there's only so much you can do to resist it because you're always in a conflict between i mean this is part of every genre but i feel like specifically pop punk like selling out is such a pejorative yeah but at the same time like as an artist you would want your music and your message to reach as many people as possible and so you have this like conflict of interest do i try and make it big or do i like stick (laughs) with my crew because like i imagine when you're starting off you're playing like the same little small venues you're all friends you're all starting off in the same place but then other people don't want to succeed and play these big arenas maybe avril didn't have as much of that because she grew up in like rural napanee and like she explained like being alone in her room writing songs and then all of a sudden being in hollywood like she didn't really have a conception of like what living in a big city was or what being a big artist was Mm -hmm. but i think applies to pop punk as a genre in general i think yeah 100 i would like to read you a quote that I found reading an article titled Exploring Avril Lavigne's Complicated Influence, which is nice. I like complicated there. It was by The Vulture. And it was referring to Jordan and Allison, meaning soccer mommy and snail mail. So 
Jordan and Allison's Levine sighting tendencies are indicative of a larger generational shift of perceived influence across genre, a practical reclaiming and recasting of artists previously deemed uncool from an ascendant age group that merely recognizes said artists as the cherished architects of their pop cultural adolescence. They signify the arrival of a younger generation of artists and listeners whose formative tastes are mismatched with the generation directly above them. Um, a cycle of pop cultural change as dependable as aging itself. Um, I would really like to discuss this quote with you because it seems to really succinctly sum up maybe the gist of what we're getting at. Absolutely. Um, what do you think of that quote? Yeah, I think I resonate it. I, I think I resonate with it a lot as someone who has that very mismatched music taste of my upbringing like i mentioned before i was a disney channel kid i was also a musical theater kid so listening to a lot of that and then for whatever reason when i discovered pop punk it really scratched the itch in my brain for that mix of songwriting and and melody i guess like i i think i appreciated that it was something a little harder than what i was listening to already but it still maintained again like songwriting chops and and just basic music theory um So yeah, I, I think it's great that these upcoming artists aren't afraid to cite their influences, even if they're not d- direct and obvious to an onlooker. Like I, I think it's cool that the, this authenticity and where we come from is really emerging in the music discourse. Yeah, absolutely. And even just what it points out which is like adjacent generations seem to have very complicated relationships <laughs> but every other generation seems to ins- inspire like nostalgia in the other one Absolutely. Um, which kind of makes sense because like the music you grow up with is what's currently enervating the culture and you always kind of have like a complicated relationship with it like I don't really I love Avril and I will always listening to listen to that music but the newer pump pop punk artists like they bring up weird feelings in me yeah totally like like we talked about before and like sometimes you have to reach further back so you don't have as much of a relationship with it so the nostalgia always seems to operate like two steps back um and i think when they point out like the cyclical nature of that i felt really validated and almost like being like it's okay if this doesn't necessarily connect with you it reminded me of a lord lyric of, of stoned in the nail salon which is like all the music you loved at 16 you'll grow out of and she was like Absolutely. giving permission to be like if you loved me at 16 and you don't anymore that's okay, okay. Fine. Yeah. as an artist you can always come back yeah i always come back but i'm gonna keep making music that i like and it just it highlighted for me what you said that i love that this idea of genre is sort of being dispensed with like like it's normal to meet people now who like love pop punk rap uh, classical yeah primo um (laughs) metal like it's it's pretty standard now to meet someone who admits to liking multiple genres except maybe like dudes who are super into metal or something um yeah and so i definitely see avril as someone who's leading this trend maybe not necessarily with her own music but i feel like she's following in the steps of travis barker and uh in the sense that she's collaborating with new artists olivia Mm -hmm. rodrigo willow and is like speaking openly about them and how much she feels that they're carrying the genre forward um i think that's maybe some of the best place for these artists is supporting new people Definitely. Um, 
and supporting these new artists and making sure that the genre continues. It's sort of like giving space to these new people being like, I've ran my course, take the torch and fly away. I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. Did um, it, Let's get to our final sort of takeaways. Um, the, one of the, the last questions I have for you is, is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to chat about? Like, did I miss anything in our notes or in our discussion that you really would like to cover today? No, I think this has felt really thorough. Like I've, I've really <laughs> questioned my relationship with Avril Lavigne quite a bit today. Um, <laughs> I want to say good, but I'm not sure that's the right answer. But I feel like <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, be, no, being being critical of the things that you loved growing up, I think, is important. And critical is not always a bad thing. It's just thinking about them more complexly. So, no, this has been great. Awesome. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. <laughs> if you've made it this far, listeners, <laughs> thank you very much, Ashling. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about everything pop punk with you today and to get to pick your brain. You too, Tony. This is Tony and Ashling signing off. Stay well, folks. Mm-hmm.